0: Hello again, friends, and welcome to another fine edition of 151. This is a special side jobs edition of the show. My name is Adam, and we are sponsored by Skeleton Wine. You can find out more about them at their website, skeletonwine.com, or on their Facebook page at Skeleton Vineyards. As for us, we hope that you find us on Facebook and Twitter, both at 151 The Show, and we hope that you subscribe, follow, like, share, rate, and do all that cool stuff on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and every other channel we're a part of. I think there's another one in there, but I can't remember what it was. If you missed any of that, you can go to 151theshow.com or thisstationswebsite.com. website.com. As I said, this is a special side jobs edition of the show. Joining me on the line, he is uh, from cinemablend.com. He is a officer and a gentleman. He lives on the East Coast. He has fur babies and a lovely, lovely wife. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Reyes joins me on the line. What's up, Mike?
1: everything and anything adam how you doing
0: i'm doing well especially because we've talked for a solid hour before we're actually recording
1: that just always happens with us no matter what and <laughs> i think that's part of why i like having our usual weekly chat
0: it is kind of a hour you know like 20 to 30 minutes of just like good conversation and that's really good for some weeks you know
1: oh yeah it's fantastic. It would be even more fantastic as if we just got it all down
0: I know, right? If we just started doing a podcast on our own, we could make millions of dollars.
1: You know what? I'm willing to believe that just because we've got the magnetic personalities and the stuff that we talk about. Really, I don't want to say it taps into the zeitgeist, but I believe it it feeds the Internet.
0: God, you're so full of bullshit.
1: (laughs) Oh, I was hoping you would say that. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> it not that this was just going to go somewhere, like, it would just go into, like, uh, pseudo-NPR territory? I like actual NPR territory, but that's, like, what people think NPR is when it isn't.
0: Uh it was going to be, it was going to go down one of those, I kind of either wanted to end it there, or let you just go for however long you could go, until you got really oh. kind of uncomfortable and, like, ran out of things to say. <laughs>
1: joke is on you because i would have probably just went off into this tangent about a summer house in cape cod and i could have probably filled the hour or however long we go
0: if that house in cape cod ends up with us drinking coffee in the morning looking into each other's eyes i'm okay with this so just saying
1: you said i was an officer and a gentleman that's basically that's the part (laughs) of the course don't skimp on coffee either
0: oh we'll have to talk about that a different time uh (laughs) Mike, Mike, yes. you are—I, you know what's funny? I don't even know if I know your official title at CinemaBlend.com. What is it? <laughs> I know, I know you review movies and stuff, but I, I legitimately don't know if that's your, like, if it's just movie reviewer or if it's like senior movie reviewer or adolescent movie reviewer or what. <laughs> I, I really don't know what your title is. <laughs> Well,
1: Johnny, I'm an ace reporter over at cinemablend.com. I'm uh, feeding them all the hot scoops and getting all the gossip. Uh, <laughs> but my actual title is, uh, it became Staff Writer, because okay. I was freelancing with them for about four years, and I was working a, a desk job. Okay. And then I had gotten up to, uh, at one point I was a, a deputy editor, but I uh, I had to scale it back because it just was not working with stupid desk job so i eventually we, we eventually had settled on senior movie contributor senior movie contributor for a while and then once i signed on with them full-time this past march i became a, a staff writer
0: oh perfect that's cool man now yeah.
1: and uh, go on
0: no you go ahead you go ahead no no you go ahead lovely
1: uh, no, yeah, no, oh no now i'm all nervous and i just i can't go and oh man But uh, to to answer your (laughs) your question earlier, basically uh, I'll do, I'll write anything and everything for the site. I mean, some days, you know, we'll, I'll need to pinch hit for TV and like maybe punch in a couple things or sometimes they'll earmark me stories that they know that I'm into or can maybe bring a spin to. But for the most part, I'm writing for the movie section. And then it's everything from reviews to features, straight news items, I get to do quite a few junkets and stuff that will eventually turn into content. Yeah, basically I'll, I'll go wherever the, the work takes me and I'll put the words out there.
0: Now, that's kind of the reason I wanted to have you on the show tonight because, you know, you often hear people talk about, you know, uh, you know, what would your dream job be? Well, I want to, you know, watch movies for a living. Oh, that's cool. And you essentially have that job, right? I mean, is it a dream job? Oh, it was definitely a dream job. I
1: don't know if you can call it a dream when you have it, but it, it's still lovely. And there's there's definitely more to it than, hey, I get to watch movies all day because there is it's clocking in, it's pushing the news, trying to see what's hitting with everyone and then maybe follow that up with a feature or something. But when it comes to the movie, even when it just comes to the movie watching, like going to screenings, I find that over the couple years that I've done it, I think my palate has become more refined for movies. I kind of have become more attuned to what I like and what I don't like. Every now and then I get surprised by something or just blown away by something. And I don't know if that same reaction would have come were I just left to my own movie watching habits and just covering whatever I wanted to.
0: It, it sounds like one of those things where if you're, In the, you know, if you're a basketball player and you get to be in basketball for a certain amount of time and then you see other people, you can appreciate their game a little bit more. Is that kind of where it kind of goes with this, where you're just appreciating, you know, what people are doing with movies more? Totally. Okay. Totally.
1: And I find sometimes that I get the opportunity to see something I wouldn't have normally gone to see and sometimes it really pays off
0: yeah and I want to get to that stuff here in a little bit but uh, Mike Reyes from cinemablend.com joining us on the show tonight Um, you can find him Yeah, that's you. Uh, you can find that's you on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at Mr. Controversy eighty uh, three. Let's go back to kind of the beginning here. How did you? How did you get into this stuff? Because there's got to be people out there that are listening to this, going, "How do you get to write for Cinema Blend? Like, where's that start? You know?
1: Oh wow! I like to think it really started for me back in 5th grade because i started writing for like school publications were where i started out with with my writing you know that was when it first took me past just writing for assignments like there was um one of my favorite teachers in the world was my 5th grade teacher a woman by the name of miss carol alto and she she saw that i was a i, I was a rambunctious kid i was very no ADD and I was eventually like I was eventually diagnosed as such and she was sort of one of the first people that saw that and you know instead of getting into trouble or you know being disciplined or something she would try to sort of feed in into my interest and interact with me she'd point you at something
0: what she'd point you at something rather than slap you down
1: well exactly
0: use that energy for good rather than evil so to speak.
1: Yeah. No, well the whole thing was she was I believe she was teaching while she was also studying child psychology because eventually she she had become like part of the child study team at the middle school I went to and then I think she transitioned into another job function in that field. But she really understood children. Okay. And she understood people. And she she was just one of the best influences I ever had. And the it all basically led to me writing for the school paper a year early in elementary school, because technically you had to be in sixth grade to to write for them. Okay. But she saw something there, and I got to ghostwrite movie reviews for the the school paper at uh, my elementary school. Oh wow! Which then led to me writing them for uh, middle school for the two years that we had middle school because it was a uh, six elementary to middle and then into high school okay and then going into high school i actually became an editor for their paper and started the entertainment section up again because they didn't have one at the time
0: see now you tell this really sweet story and i can't make fun of you for it
1: you could totally make fun of me for it. everyone else did
0: because i was gonna say claim you know saying that you started in fifth grade is like the equivalent of someone in radio going well you know i did college radio
1: Excuse me. I've been writing about
0: this since I was a child. I know better than you. Mm, yes, <laughs> for the New Jersey Gazette <laughs> or the East for the East Middleton uh, High toilet paper thing. Anyways, yeah. so so it starts all back then. Uh, you know, you write. I'm imagining you write through high school and stuff, uh, and then you get to college. I imagine there's probably courses and stuff you take. You know, movie courses or writing or theater or something like that. Right.
1: Well, I, um, I was definitely, uh, I definitely did have some writing courses, but I, uh, I placed out of like the beginning angle, like I placed out of most of the English requirement, if I remember correctly, just because of AP exams, you know, you study yeah, enough yeah, yeah. Of those and if you get a four or five, you're, you're good. You're cool. And that was the one that I, I managed to place out of the, uh, the early requirements. But I wrote a little bit for the college newspaper. Okay. Uh, I kind of took a detour into personal blogging eventually.
0: Oh, and here we go. I, well, you know I'm a yeah. blogger, right?
1: Now you can make fun of me. It's like, <laughs> excuse me, lady, Allow me to tell you why your opinions on Star Wars are wrong and inaccurate.
0: You know who I am, Mr. Controversy83.
1: <laughs> well, that, okay, so... That whole st- I don't know if I've told you that story
0: you've told me a little bit about it that uh, I, but I, fr- I can't remember exactly how the story goes it, it was just in passing
1: okay so this was it was the high school newspaper sophomore year again high school newspaper uh, another <laughs> wonderful teacher that that I, I lay part of my professional success to a woman by the name of Josephine Legio. she was the student advisor for the newspaper all four years I was there. Okay. And so I get into sophomore year. I'm still running the entertainment section. And before the era of internet hot takes, I had a column called Mr. Controversy where I would take something and just kind of rip into it the, the way that they would allow in a school newspaper.
0: So fast forward a little bit. So you're a blogger now, Mr. Controversy yeah. 83. What was the website you blogged for?
1: Oh, I just started a, a web, I just started a blog on uh, Blogster. Blogster. Yeah, like I think it was Blogster was the name. Of, it was just one of those sites where you basically start a free blog,
0: and then you put it on the MySpace.
1: Yeah, the MySpace, <laughs> the the Facebooks, and all those fun. Uh, well, actually, MySpace you could just put it there automatically. Yeah, that was just that was also part of a blog.
0: Oh God, MySpace.
1: I know. Justin Timberlake bought it and never did anything with it.
0: Yeah, but you know how much of a pain in the ass it was to like make your eight your top eight friends happy?
1: I know how much of a pain in the ass it is for sometimes for, for my friends to have made me happy in my in my worst days.
0: <laughs> but I mean I had people like, You moved me out of your top eight. Explain. I don't oh know. yeah.
1: Oh no, no, that's yeah yeah i remember that
0: there there are people listening right now kids that are like i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) not a clue so all right mike ranch from cinemablend.com so uh, blogger to what came after that
1: the sort of modern era where how i got to where i am now happened because of two sites that i wrote for um there's one it was a uh it's an english entertainment a british entertainment site called what culture oh i know what culture that's
0: a good website
1: no comment
0: <laughs> or oh, how, how oh. about this i hate that website god do i despise that website is that better i don't know what to do I here i don't know
1: you, you can like whatever you like i just i had some personal experiences and then i heard stories like, they, they wanted me to... Okay, so I, I started as, like, a contributor for them.
0: Okay, all right. And, Let's just get past this part, because I don't want you to get in trouble, and I don't want to have to do too much editing on this.
1: I don't write for them anymore, and, and my current employer never wanted me to speak to them again.
0: <laughs> so burn it out, you sons of bitches.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> it's like, they, and, then they, and then supposedly, uh, well... Oh, no, I don't know if that's a thing.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So, anyway, okay. so what a culture. What, what was next?
1: Uh, I wrote for what culture for a little while, and then I forget how I met. I think it was just a random Facebook thing. I linked up with a guy named Tim. Okay. Who had his own site, cocktailsandmovies.com.
0: Oh, that's a cool-sounding website.
1: That was – oh, dude. When When I was at the full height of writing for them – I was doing, like, at Christmas the one year, uh, I was a book blogger, too. So there was a publisher that I saw had a, like, a, a, a liquor, like, a famous bars recipe book. Like, it was a little set of five mini books that had recipes in them. I was pulling recipes from those books and pairing them with movies.
0: Oh, that's a brilliant idea.
1: Yeah. And then under writing for through him, I started writing uh, experience, the one there's one experience piece that got me my cinema blend job. But before all of that, it was a lot of reviews of stuff that I found on Netflix or disc. And then I was going to the movies and writing up reviews for stuff like Iron Man three. Like when that first came out, I was I was with them. And then I'll never forget the one year for Christmas, he sends me the uh, the box set for phase one of the MCU.
0: Like the whole thing?
1: Yeah, like oh. the briefcase that has the, uh, the Tesseract in it and everything.
0: Oh, I want that. Jealous. It was, a,
1: it was an unpaid gig, but he wanted to do that because it was a particularly good year. So I got that and Iron Man 3 when it came out.
0: Uh, Iron Man 3, don't get me started on that.
1: Oh... Oh, I didn't know it was going to be like that.
0: Yeah, I am I'm not a fan of that movie.
1: Oh, see, I'm in the polar opposite. I love that movie.
0: I'm sorry, but the moment you have the most powerful power source that's buried in your chest being charged by a diehard battery, you lose me. That works. You
1: just need a big diehard battery.
0: Come on, Mike. If we're really
1: going to question the MCU for realism, I, I think there's going to be a lot of things we're going to go home unhappy about.
0: I'm sorry, but the, the car battery hooked up to the arc reactor, it just is wrong to me on so many levels.
1: Especially because he could have designed it in such a way that it could run on a limited power source. It just kind of has like a reverberating effect. I, I don't know the science.
0: You have the most highly advanced power generator ever in your chest. And you're hooking it up to a car battery. Any port in a storm. Iron Man 2 is based on the whole thing of not having the technology to make these suits because of the power source. And here we fast forward one movie and it's like, hey, a car battery works. No big deal, guys.
1: Okay, that was just one solo movie, but there were still at least three or four movies that happened in between there.
0: Oh, God.
1: And there's a whole bunch of stuff that could have happened in there, especially after the Avengers, when you saw in the beginning of Spider-Man Homecoming, people are now getting their hands on Jatari technology.
0: Yeah, but still, come on. Anyways... (laughs) I don't want to. I don't want to argue with you about Iron Man three. This is going to turn into something. I
1: complete. like it because of the Shane Blackness of it. I love Shane Black, and I like what he did with it.
0: see. I thought. That, see, I think that's where it went wrong. It was too Shane Black for me. I'm not saying Shane uh, Black. I'm, I'm not saying Shane Black makes bad movies, because there's a, a lot of those out there that I really like. I just thought that one was too Shane Black.
1: All right. I mean, I I can definitely agree to disagree, and you know, in a in a politely still way. The internet still works that way
0: yeah so deal with it yeah i don't know where yeah anyways
1: (laughs) so basically i was writing everything and anything for cocktails and movies i that was my first sort of i was i was given carte blanche i could write whatever i wanted and i wrote i wrote a piece about how agent the shield when that first started it could it would have been good news for the dark tower because the dark tower hadn't been in production at that point And the big plan was still to to take it to movies and TV. And I was saying, hey, you know, you you look at how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is branching off in the MCU, this is like the doorway for that. And the one piece that really, that that, that put me where I am today was a piece I had written about how advanced screenings, the way that they're run sometimes, they weren't exactly the most uh, sensible. Because the whole thing was my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, we had a screening of Captain America Winter Soldier to go out to. And, you know, I, uh, we went through Disney's, uh, they have a special ticketing app where, you know, they do some of their own
0: yeah. screenings. Yeah,
1: yeah, you yeah, ticket. We wait in line. We get to the theater. This is a pretty long hallway. The line had gone down to the end and wrapped around about halfway back up.
0: For an advanced screening? So,
1: yeah for an advanced screening of winter soldier. Now the way that they work and I've, I really haven't had to deal with that since going pro the way that it works. is if you're local press and you're on the screening sheet, you show up, you know, you check in with the rep and they let you in, you know, ahead of the, the basic, the, the public crowd. Yeah. Since I didn't have that at that time, we were in line with everyone else and it just got to the point where we're standing there. I think we got there, I want to say 6.30, 6.45, and the screening was at 7.30. 6.45 becomes 7. 7 becomes 7.15. And then literally up to 7.30, they're still letting people in. And then they're like, look, we just have to start the movie. We're sorry. Uh, come to the table, sign up with us, and we'll get you into another screening. And then it turned out like maybe a week later – We got into, they uh, had some people join the first responder screening because they did a special screening for first responders in the area. Okay. And I had written a piece about how the system is, why are you overbooking this? Like it was a different, it was like a, a nuanced protest to why did this happen? This didn't have to happen. If you know how many seats you have in a theater, you should be booking that number.
0: You were, so, you got your job at cinemablend.com because you bitched about uh, not being able to go to a movie.
1: See, that's the thing. <laughs> I didn't bitch. I went with a more specific approach. If I had just gone off the rails, you know.
0: No, I get it. But stuff, essentially, right?
1: that's. I never
0: <laughs> no, I. Yeah, I get that you, you did the nuanced approach to it. But essentially, that's how you got your, move, your job at Cinemablend, right?
1: I. If you really want to put it that way, I I complained. I complained very eruditely because it was a blocker.
0: I made a masterpiece of me yelling at somebody without yelling at them, and it changed the whole it was, system.
1: It was a cathedral, and I was praised. <laughs> but yeah, basically. <laughs> Basically it got to a um I had applied for them once well I actually worked for them as a freelancer for a short term period of time before that because they had a, a TV reviewing gig. Okay. And for one season of walk Empire I was I was writing for them. And I was doing like weekly recaps for them. Okay. So it was maybe a couple of years after that I was writing for Cocktails and Movies. Uh I saw that an opening had come up for their movie section and I emailed them you know I sent the writing samples that was one of the samples I sent them and they'll ask really cool questions like which uh do you like the original Star Wars or the news or no, do you like the original Star Trek movies more than the old ones or which ones were your favorite like they ask you pop culture relevant questions and basically like the way you answer it is is what's really important like if someone's just like Oh, well, I I just like the new ones because the old ones suck and they're old. Like, that's not going to get you a job.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like radio where you have to create the scene. Like, if you're testing a burger on air, you have to be able to explain why it's good or why it's bad.
1: Oh, exactly. And that's that's what makes writing so easy and yet so hard sometimes. And it's just trying to find the right words for something as simple as, hey, uh... We might be casting Melissa McCarthy in Little Mermaid. It's like, okay, uh, some people might think it's it's easy to just say, hey, that's that's what happened and that's where it came from. But when you got a word count to meet, you really have to sort of, you know, think into the details. Like, okay, uh, is she the first person that's being cast here? What do you think of the casting? Who else is involved in the project? Like, you have to really flush out some of these other details in order to to create this narrative that someone couldn't read and get that information.
0: The more you talk about this part of it, it's amazing how how similar it is to radio because it is that same thing, uh, thought process where it, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. Okay. Um, that's the first version of the, the conversation you can have. Then it's the, do you like it? Then it's uh, okay. Who else could do it? And then it's, you know, uh, C, D, E, and F for topic ideas. So yeah, I, I completely get that.
1: Oh yeah, no, that's that's totally. It's just it's all content. Yeah. At this point, it's just how you enjoy that content,
0: and, and how, that's why
1: podcast. Is
0: cut. Oh, I was just going to say, and that's how, and and that's how you separate yourself from other people is by okay. If, they're, if the easy topic is to, okay, we're going to talk about whether or not we like Melissa McCarthy as Ursula, that's the top layer one. What's the more creative, more eye-catching, more ear-popping approach to it?
1: Exactly. And you can go anywhere from, okay, who should Blossom and Jessam be, to, okay, who should be Ariel against her? Yeah. And so many other different avenues you can pursue with that, and sometimes... The internet will provide that, and that's more news to layer onto that. Like, the, the whole Ursula story, Lizzo apparently really wants to play that role. And, that, like, there's been a whole internet campaign that's like, no, you should hire her, or you should hire this yeah. person. And then that just leads to separate, you know, stories that link into that first one. It's like, well, okay, Melissa McCarthy's in final
0: negotiations, but
1: fans may not be behind that. They're behind this. This is why.
0: Okay. No, that's interesting. And
1: then, yeah, and then podcasting just kind of feels like a wonderful intersection between it. Oh. It's at the intersection between radio and between print.
0: Podcasting is just the best. I will say that right now. Uh, Mike Reyes from CinemaBlend.com. You can find him on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All at uh, MrControversy83. Uh, we are 151. You can find all of our stuff at 151theshow.com or the com. website.com. Uh, Mike, let's get to the movie side of things um you were talking earlier about uh you know uh having a better appreciation for movies after going to so many movies what is uh, let's start here and this is just kind of the easy one like we we're saying the top layer conversation but what's one of these movies uh that you actually you know what i'm going to change that i'm, I'm going to change that subject because i don't want to ask that question just yet that's the world of podcasting everybody <laughs> when the well, I,
1: i'm just I'm just intrigued I just I love watching this mechanism sort of
0: work when the host talks himself into a circle it doesn't know uh, uh, or doesn't want to ask one question he wants to ask a different one and then he takes it in a complete circle well,
1: <laughs> and, yeah, you're doing it on the
0: fly yes and no but I mean I should be able to know what question I want to ask next I mean come on really <laughs> No, uh, the no. The question I wanted to ask was, you know, there's a lot of people out there that come down on critics because you know uh, there'll be a popular movie that makes a lot of money, but critics will hate it, right? Yeah. What What kind of critic are you? Because in all of our talks, usually most movies you can find something good in. Uh, It seems like you're a guy that uh, likes to go have fun at the movies. How do you judge these movies uh, when you go to see them? Oh, wow. Um, see, if I would have gone right into that question, I would have been like a regular David Letterman there. But no, I talked my ass around in a circle and had to untie my shoes to get to it.
1: But that's why you can do that on podcasting. You're not being bumped up against uh, an ad break. You're not you don't only have me for six minutes. I mean, those skills are still valuable, and Letterman's still, you know, a legend because of it. You know, the man could enter, the man had Crispin Glover on in the 80s, and even though it was not a productive interview, it was still a very memorable one,
0: dude. I will tell you this his show, uh, he does on Netflix, uh, the uh, My Next Guest, or whatever it's called.
1: Oh, yeah, My Next Guest is,
0: uh, is probably one of my favorite shows to watch just because. I would love to do that kind of setup where you go and you put someone on a stage and you have a conversation about it because that's what it is with David Letterman. It's not exactly an interview. It's a conversation between two people.
1: Oh yeah. No, no. He was, he was always just, that was his niche as, as a late night talk show host. I mean, you go back to that era and um, Leno was always pop culture. Yep. He was always like sort of very, he was very much a USA Today sort of guy. Like he was very accessible to people. It may not have been the most heavy hitting stuff, but that was you know yeah. the entertainment team. Letterman was very good with people. Was really good with the interview and could either get the best or the worst out of a person. either way, it was an interesting thing to
0: watch. You know why he was and so then, good at good at it? Why? Because the interview was never about him. Exactly. And that's a big thing that people don't realize with interviews. You'll see a lot of the uh, uh, jocks and radio where it, it's the old saying of, I'm not listening to listen, I'm listening to tell my part of the story.
1: No, exactly. And, and see, that's what I try to remember when I get to interview someone is, and that, that's always what I have in my mind. It's like, I want to talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. I understand when I go into an interview with someone, I need to provide content. I need to get something interesting. But more importantly, I also want to talk. Uh, these people have been sitting in this room under hot light for hours upon hours on end. Mm-hmm. And you know, especially if you're going, if you're running up against a lunch break or the the end of the day, you've got to get in there and you've got to know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But the thing I like to try and do is just like, okay, what do they want to talk about? Where can I get this sort of intersection of I want you to be comfortable? No. I don't want you to think I'm just some jerk glad handing you for five minutes because it's my job.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. It's 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 true.
1: I mean, I I am extremely lucky to have talked to some of the people that I've I've gotten to.
0: But you know what you haven't done yet? What? Answered my question. <laughs>
1: I was thinking that in the back of my mind. So we went off on a tangent, but see, that's that's the Letterman there, man. That's that's the Letterman. You're pushing me back to the Leno.
0: It is, and uh, no, but I mean, it, it's true about Letterman. I mean, if if he would he would if he was doing this interview, it would be a joke. But then it would it would be a joke that. Would completely reset the interview, and you'd get back to the point. You know exactly because he's and so good at it. it. Is hard. It's harder to interview people than what people think.
1: Oh yeah, and then and then just you can also see how hard it is to be the interviewee, just because you want to go out there, and you know, if you say one wrong word in the wrong tone, and some people will see it as something that it's not. Yeah, and then you have to explain yourself in in other you know interviews and you know if you're if you're a bad enough interview you can get banned from somewhere yeah Uh, i still remember the stories about how john stewart apparently banned hugh grant from the daily show because he was just that bad of an interview
0: i believe it just
1: was that combative of an interview which I, I would like to think he's mellowed out because he, he's he been having a sort of a renaissance. But anyway, that's, that's not even the, the question that we're here to answer. The question we're here to answer is evaluating movies, which is kind of like evaluating people. I go to a movie. I want to be surprised. Okay. I find that the more I look at marketing for movies, the more that I can sometimes look at a trailer and think, "Okay, I'm not in love with this trailer, but I see the concepts that I think is in here or the concept that I really want to be at work here. Let's see if that reflects in the in the the movie itself." Okay. So then it's part going in with an expectation and then part going in open because it's any movie can surprise you if it's the right type of movie
0: yeah and, and that,
1: that's that's some of the best experiences i've had is the movie that i did not know i wanted to see
0: well that's what i was gonna i was thinking that it has to be you have to have a little bit of ex, it it's got to be a really happy balance of expectation and desire to see it right right okay
1: i mean i i'll tell you the truth i'm not a huge fan of frozen I will still go see Frozen 2. If it's, I'll still go see it even if I'm not assigned because A, it's on the market. B, it's what people are going to be talking about. Yeah. And C, there is always the chance. And I look at this especially with sequels. There's always a chance that the next one is going to learn something that the first one taught. Them.
0: Okay, I can understand that. Well, that's that's a good uh, way to go to it. I mean, what is one movie like? If you're going to pick one movie that. You know, surprised you well and surprised you bad. What what would those two movies be like? You're looking back at the ones you've gone to. What what would they be?
1: One that surprised me. One of the mo- one of the best surprises I had ever had was a couple years ago. There was a movie called Far from the Maddening Crowd. Never heard of it. It's a period romantic piece, and it's like 1800, the English countryside. Uh, a young woman's running a farm, and I. Wasn't I didn't think I was going to like it, but I was handed the review. Okay, I went and saw this movie and I was completely blown away <laughs> because it, it did have a romantic through line to it, but it was mature and it was, it's not the, you know, what they sort of call the bodice rippers. It's not one of those things where it's just very flowery romance. It was a woman that, you know, in her time, women kind of had to court men a certain way and she had to worry about maintaining her farm while you know entertaining these various men she might marry okay and then through the whole time there was a gentleman that she liked and circumstances just didn't align and just the the human drama to it really drew me in and i really liked it
0: what was it called again
1: far from the maddening crowd
0: okay now what's a movie was, that uh, who did it who what happened Oh, I was going to say, I was going to ask one question, but then I got curious who, who directed and who uh, who did it.
1: I don't remember who directed it off the top of my head, but I know Michael Sheen's in there. I'm trying to think of the actress's name because she's absolutely brilliant, and she was on Doctor Who a couple of years ago. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. Oh, okay. Carrie Mulligan, played the lead. And, oh, uh, see, I, I feel like we, that reminds me of a couple of years ago, I saw another movie of hers, An Education. Oh, That was okay. a, one that surprised me, too.
0: All righty. So, what's one?
1: You go to... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you first, because I know where it's going.
0: I was going to say, what movie were you really fired up for that you went to and it was like, oh, God, that was just awful?
1: I want to say Frozen was definitely one of them because I am a <laughs> Disney kid. And when that movie started, I was okay with it. But then as it wound on, I just was increasingly upset and not in line with what I saw. Especially because this was like the second coming of animated films. It's like, wow, this is this is a thing. You need to see this thing. Yeah. And then I went the first couple of minutes, like, yeah, and then it's like, oh, why? <laughs> and then I would say right down the middle, and some people are probably going to hate me for this. Was La La Land?
0: I've still never seen it.
1: It's a good movie. It is definitely good, but when it gets to the ending it trips over itself because it wants to go one way and it hasn't completely earned it. And plus, for as much fun as it was, it, it it's, it's sold as more of a musical than it is. Like, the, if you threw in maybe six more songs, or even just three, and one of them being a reprise of the song in the middle of the movie, okay, you have more of a basis there for the story that that movie wanted to, to tell. But at the point at the end where there's a time jump, and then things just go
0: completely
1: out of where you thought it was going to go. And again, I, I don't mind twists or unexpected endings, but I just didn't feel like the movie earned it.
0: I, I wish I could comment more, but I just, I've just i never seen the movies. So. so when you go to a movie, and uh, we're talking to Mike Reyes from cinemablend.com, you can find him on social media, at MrControversy83. We'll have links at the bottom of the page here. As a movie critic... You know, I I imagine you have to keep, you know, an open mind about every movie you go to, but what are the movies that you get really fired up for? Like, you know, whether it's a genre or an actor or, you know, a director, what are the movies that you really get excited for?
1: I got the perfect example for that because they just dropped the trailer today. There is a movie that Ryan Johnson is making. Now, Ryan Johnson is one of those people. Short answer Ryan Johnson, because I remember seeing Brick for the first time. And. I I was wowed by what he and Joseph Gordon-Levitt did. They made a, a film noir set in modern-day high school, and it didn't sacrifice anything and worked perfectly.
0: And this is the dude that did Last Jedi, right?
1: Yep, he did The Last Jedi, he did Looper, uh, and then they just dropped a trailer today for his latest movie called Knives Out, which is a murder mystery with his particular sense of humor which now leads to Chris Evans making his first big movie after the Avengers as a foul-mouthed
0: smartass. (laughs)
1: And it's it's like I'm watching this and I'm thinking back to the Chris Evans I remember from Not Another Teen Movie, The Fantastic Four, uh, The Losers.
0: Oh, The Losers.
1: I might have to watch that again because I remember watching it and not liking it.
0: The Losers? Yeah. The Losers was awesome.
1: I think I just need to watch it again because that's, that's something that I definitely find with movies sometimes is I visit it and maybe I approached it with the wrong frame of mind. And again, the, the marketing campaign feed into that. I think I go into something with the wrong frame of mind. Yeah. And then I need to go and approach it again from a different angle.
0: Zoolander's like that for me. I hated that movie the first time I saw it.
1: That's what I keep hearing from some people. And then they revisited it, they liked it, and then they made a second movie where everyone's like, no, no, okay, I legitimately don't like this movie. Take it back. Yeah, But yeah, uh, so this movie looks absolutely ridiculous. I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. I'll watch anything that man does. Okay. Uh, I've been a Spielberg diehard since I was a kid. Uh, Edgar Wright has always been... uh, I I remember seeing Shaun of the Dead uh, when I was studying abroad in England, and... It was back in those days where, well, they still do it now. Is if a like it was, it's an English produced movie, so it got released there earlier, and then it came to America that September because they made a deal with one of Universal's companies. You know, they yeah. want to go over and
0: yeah,
1: it's like, yeah. this is filmmaker, Edgar Wright, and you know everybody's going nuts about it in America. I'm thinking, I saw that a couple months ago. Yeah, you're gonna love that.
0: You, this is gonna be good, everybody. Yeah. I just had a really random thought. When you said Spielberg, a movie critic saying Spielberg, you know, anything I get excited about Spielberg is kinda like a chef on the food network that says, I like using fresh ingredients.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I get the whole thing that he's omnipresent (laughs) and it's just kind of one of he's one of those people that people always that a lot of people always key into. But I I have the credentials growing up for that. I remember seeing E.T. when it first went to home video, like, years after they didn't want to do it. Yeah, but... Because they dragged their feet on putting that out on VHS for, like, four years.
0: Yeah, but someone's saying, like, a film critic that says they don't like Spielberg, you kind of don't have respect for him at that point, you know? Does that make sense? I Like they may have real legitimate reasons as to why they don't like Spielberg or his style of movie making. But anybody that hears somebody that says, No, I don't like that Spielberg guy, you're gonna be like, Really? I don't know if I want to trust you.
1: As long as someone can back it with their own inter- internal logic, I can I can accept that. I may not think it's the correct answer by subjective means, but you know what? If you can sit there and tell me I don't like that he always has to go for the happy ending i don't like that he's always filming things with soft focus uh why does he have so many stories about you know the dad's not there like if someone really picks out legitimate gripes i can sit there and say okay i may not agree with you but as a fan i'm going to want to say no you're nuts. are you kidding but as a professional it's like okay that's That's not your skill set. That's not your thing. I get
0: that. Yeah, but as, you know, layman looking at this, non, you know, professional moviegoer that's not getting paid to go watch movies, if someone says they don't like, you know, Steven Spielberg, it's like, really? You don't have a heart. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay. Let's hear what you have to say about the new Star Wars movie. Mr. Doesn't yeah. like Steven Spielberg.
1: Please enlighten me on how you think movies are supposed to be made.
0: What was the movie when uh, he? W- it was uh, Austin Powers when he goes. Well, hey, me and my friend here think we should do it like this, and he's holding up the award.
1: Uh, gold member.
0: Oh uh, yeah, gold member. So yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> on the other side of things, what are movies you you n- you don't get excited about? That's kind of that makes it a job.
1: Transformers movies. Really? Yeah.
0: I will give you uh, the first one I really liked, just because, you know, that's nostalgia for me. The middle 18 or however many they made, not great. Bumblebee, I actually didn't mind. Oh, I hated Bumblebee. (laughs) You know what? You know the reason I love that movie so much? It goes back to the nostalgia thing, where they looked like the Transformers from when I was a kid.
1: Oh, no, I I totally get that. I mean I totally get that part of it but just I I felt like Bumblebee was an 80s sitcom that got mixed in with the summer comedy that got mixed in with the Transformers movie and none of them were good. <laughs> and I like Haley Steinfeld too. Or I I I I don't know if I'm getting her name right right now but I like the the woman the, the woman who was the lead.
0: Okay. Yeah, she was fine. I just <laughs> listen anytime you had a uh, Peter Cullen doing Optimus Prime, you know? I'm all in. Autobots.
1: That is definitely the thing I will give you.
0: Autobots, roll out! Oh, that was one of my first interviews. Peter Cullen, really?
1: Okay, so get this. I'm still at the desk job. It's about a year or a couple months into when I was freelancing. I was supposed to go to the the Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, like they did a sneak preview event in King at like IMAX theaters where they showed you like 15 minutes.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I missed it because someone tapped my rear end out of, the, out of the toll gate when I was like five minutes away from the theater. And it was like 10 minutes until showtime for the, the sneak preview. So thankfully there was no damage on the car, but had to wait. They didn't have their insurance documents I, or they didn't have something. And I was just like, look, I'm taking a picture of your information. I need to go somewhere.
0: I need to go see a movie.
1: I'm important, damn it.
0: By the way, when and you said rear end, I thought your ass. I really did.
1: If someone was tapping my ass, I I don't think it would take 15 minutes for me to address it. I would just look and <laughs> say, "Excuse me, what are you doing?" I'm gonna. Or,
0: me, I'm what gonna, are you doing? I'm gonna give you another 10 minutes to stop that. <laughs>
1: Gif it's been completely unsurprising that you would touch my ass and get pleasing continue please
0: gif do you know where the champagne is <laughs> i choose so, death by snoo snoo <laughs> anyway, anyway so so how does this how does you get tapped on the ass by a very pretty lady <laughs> tie into Peter <laughs> Cullen. all right so gif
1: <laughs> car got top, up, <laughs> so we ended up going to the movie theater five minutes late okay and my wife says to me, my, my wife says to me look we're already here we may as well go see something first thing well we we, we were at the IMAX. I figured let's go to the IMAX Transformers age of extinction was showing
0: which is that the third one Fourth. Fourth. Oh, God.
1: Yeah, well. Anyways. It was better than than two and three. I
0: I will tell you a story after yours about Transformers 2, so.
1: Oh, I can't wait for that. So... Saw Age of Extinction, because we were there. I, I like going... To, if I'm going to see the damn movie, I figure I'm going to see it in IMAX. It'll be huge. It'll be loud. Maybe I'll like get something out of it. It was okay, you know? The, the best things I could say about it was, you know, Kelsey Grammer's a great villain. Uh, Stanley Tucci's a lot of fun. When Mark Wahlberg wants to entertain, he definitely can. And so, basically, went and saw that. Nothing real big came out of it until last september they're preparing for the home video release and then one of my editors messages me he's like so can you take time off from your job and do you have a valid driver's license and i said i could i was a temp at the time before i went full-time with the the office job
0: yeah 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 that i
1: had and i was like i could probably take a day off because you know i can i can take a day unpaid and i do have a, a valid driver's license so he's like okay Stay tuned. I'll I'll get back to you. Gets back to me later in the day. All right. So Paramount's doing the home video junket for Transformers: Age of Extinction. It's out in Vegas. You get to drive sports cars and interview a couple people. So I was like, "Oh, okay, awesome. I'm in for it." Autobots, roll out. So they sign me up for it. I end up going out to Vegas and a buddy of mine was living out there at the time so I got to hang out with him a little bit. They put us up at the they put me up at the cosmopolitan God. for like a, a night and it's fantastic. and of course you know you get the, the you know when you're put in a hotel room you get a, a per diem. Because, you know, they want to make sure that you're comfortable, you can eat, you can drink, and make sure you're, you know, taken care of. Yeah. So that way you're really focused on sort of what you're doing. So, you know, I explored the hotel a bit. I I got a cocktail at the the bar and talked to a guy who was, like, really into movies, who was serving drinks. And then the next day – oh, no, it was for two nights I was there because the next day was the event where we go out to this racetrack and you get to choose two different cars – they have a professional driver in there with you, and they help you learn basically how to drive at ridiculously fast speeds, brake at the right time, skid into those corners, and just be a speed machine. Well, and they record you doing it,
0: and the whole time you're playing, you've got the touch,
1: <laughs> you got the power, <laughs> which I own. Yeah. Found in- <laughs> I always found it hysterical, and CinemaSins picked up on it. You've got Mark Wahlberg in Age of Extinction, and then he. meanwhile he covers that song in Boogie Night.
0: Oh, it's amazing how the world works out. Okay, so you learned how to drive really fast. Where's Peter Cullen? Please tell me you met him at the, <laughs> the urinal or something. No,
1: he was one of the two interviews. Oh. The two interviews I found were one of the stunt drivers, who also worked on some of the Fast and Furious movies, and then Peter Cullen.
0: Well, hey, there, Mike know. Reyes.
1: Yeah, basically, and then I told him, like, dude, I've been my family and I are huge fans of yours because, in addition to being Optimus Prime, the dude Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh oh, like, yeah. for the more recent years. And I was like, dude, I grew up listening to you. My my brother's like a huge Eeyore fan, and then at one point he's like, well, so thank thanks for listening. And I'm just sitting there like, oh my, God. how did I get here? And then. One of my first sort of scoops was I was talking with him about the Transformers movies, and I said, Look, Michael Bay's saying he's not going to do the next one. He's saying it, what eventually became The Last Night, the movie that he did do, but that was his last one. Yeah. But I said, He's not a he doesn't, it doesn't look like he's going to do that one. Would you still do a Transformers movie without him? And he said something along the effect of, I think he was like, Well, I, I really want him to come back. I mean, I'll do the character, but. I, I really want him to be there for that. Yeah. And if you lock, onto a story like that. You know, other people will write it up. It'll get circulated. There's a whole thing. is anything is content. Like, you know, you'll, we'll do new scans and look for stories that we think could really hit on the site. So basically what will happen is someone else covers it. We credit them. And then we'll write up, hey, you know, uh, going back to what we were saying before, Melissa McCarthy might be in Little Mermaid. Uh, This is from a report that Variety put out there.
0: And Prince Eric is now going to be played by Peter Cullen. Hello, Ariel. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like you transformed.
1: The Little Mermaid Beast Wars.
0: Oh God, Beast Force was horrible.
1: <laughs> so But in in the case in the case of something like this where you get to interview someone, it's it's ideal that you pick up on something that other people will run, you'll get credited, and then that just drives traffic back to your original write up.
0: Yeah. It it's interesting how this world works. Um, you know, especially with you know, it all starts with the trailer, goes to the movie, reviewers back to the website, and then on to the next one, right? Oh,
1: I'd say it goes further than that. i say it starts with the announcement.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, but I guess you're, easy. yeah, 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 because of, like, the Melissa yeah. McCarthy example, which I'm glad of all or the even- things we use as an example tonight. It was Melissa McCarthy. Just what I need, Ursula <laughs> to be falling through tables for an hour and a half.
1: If they play towards her weaker instinct, yes, but this is also the woman that did Can't You Ever Can You Ever Forgive Me where she completely knocked it out of the park.
0: Yeah, we've had this argument about Melissa McCarthy. I'm right, you're wrong, and this is my show, so we're gonna move on. That was not that that was not very David Letterman of me, I'll put it that way. <laughs> Let the guest I
1: didn't have it. That's that, that's Bill O'Reilly there
0: let the guest have the last word right oh mike it has
1: gotcha
0: so uh this will probably be coming out here soon uh what do you what do you have for like the rest of the summer you know movie wise junkets uh pieces you're working on stuff we should be waiting for what's coming out in mr controversy 83's life that we should uh be ready for
1: well, uh, I did have a couple really good interviews with some people behind the Pet Cemetery remake. Uh, I got to speak with the directors as well as the young girl who played the new Ellie. Um, next week I am going to see crawl that new alligator movie that's coming out. Okay. And then as part of the coverage that I'm going to be writing, I'm going to get to interview, uh, the two lead actors, uh, Kaya Scudellario and uh, Barry Pepper, who you probably remember from like Enemy of the State, Saving Private Ryan.
0: You probably remember me from such movies as—that's what it kind of sounded like.
1: <laughs> I'm interviewing Troy McClure. You'd remember him from such films as Death on the Pavement and Paradise at Cloud Six.
0: <laughs> I was gonna do—I was gonna try to do Troy McClure, but uh, my voice was still stuck in Optimus Prime <laughs> <laughs> and a little bit of Zat <laughs> Branigan.
1: You might remember me from some movies as Bumblebee. And that's it.
0: Oh, God. Zat Brannigan could be my spirit animal. I'm just going to say that now.
1: Billy West is just a legend when it comes to voice acting.
0: Oh, like, so good. Billy
1: West is the Mel Blanc of our time. And you see, that's another reason why I really like Mark Hamill is there's a video that Rotten Tomatoes did where they talked to him about his voice acting career. And yeah. just the stories he has are amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, we will cover that the next time we talk, Uh, Mike Reyes. It's getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, We'll look for all of your stuff over on CinemaBlend.com. I'm sure you have a page there or something, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I have an author page there, and you know, you'll be able to. You know, if you click on any of my articles, you just click on my name, and it shows like the last couple that I've done. They're working on it, so that way we we'll get the full archives back up because we just uh, revitalized the look of the site. It looks really nice.
0: Cool. We'll send people over there. cinemablend.com is the place to go. Mike Reyes has been the guest. You can find him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at MrControversy83. Mike, thanks so much for coming on tonight and spending uh, like the last hour talking to me about movies.
1: Adam, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, and I, I really like this podcast form in addition to our usual weekly talks on WBG what was it, BGO or I I don't know
0: yeah that one <laughs> we're just going to stick with that one cuz it sounds awesome mike thank you uh, so
1: our, much our
0: mike thanks so much for coming on tonight i appreciate it man okay
1: thanks have a good one
0: this has been another uh, fine edition of 151 side jobs issue uh my name is adam we are sponsored by skeleton wine you can find out more about them at their website skeletonwine.com and on their Facebook page at Skeleton Vineyards. As for us, Facebook and Twitter, both at 151 The Show, and follow us, subscribe and like and rate and do all that cool stuff on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and whatever else I left out. If you missed any of that, 151theshow.com or this station's website.com. We'll see you next time, friends. Bye.